Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. How have the tactics and strategy of protest changed over the years? Forty-six years ago, there was a violent end to a three-day inmate protest over conditions in the St. Louis City Jail. More than 30 people were hurt. That response triggered a 21-day protest outside the jail. Tonight, a special panel will discuss that incident. It's titled, Justice in the Prison System from the 1972 Sit-In to Today. It will compare and contrast the issues faced by inmates in the justice and penal systems since the 1972 protest. Joining me in studio are Regina Dennis-Nana and Bobby Brother Bob Williams. They were citizen negotiators in the 1972 city jail sit-in. Tori Russell is a community activist and protester who has been involved with demonstrations after Michael Brown and through the Stockley protests. Thank you all so much for being with us. Great to see you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Regina, let me begin with you. Can you kind of set the stage for what was going on in 1972 that led to this this, uh, protest? What was taking place was the uh, inmates had expressed concerns about different uh, their actual their conditions, and I should preface this by saying, in March of 1972, there's a committee called the Committee for Equal Justice, and they had started. It was a citizens group made up of multi-talented individuals who were concerned about the conditions in the jail, and they had started meeting with the uh, with the jail officials as related to overcrowdedness and seeing what they can do to reduce the. Uh, the work, the uh, the load there, and so what they were trying to do was put up a program for releasing individuals on on their own recognizance, and so that led to uh, that program continued, and they but the inmates were constantly still concerned about lack of toothpaste, uh, toothbrushes, soap, towels, salt, food, hygiene. Uh, they had a whole list of things that they were still concerned that were uh, 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 they were concerned about that had taken place for some time. So, and uh, Brother Bob, uh, you you were involved as a negotiator during this process, as I understand it, uh, in in which citizens were negotiating with whom? Jail officials, city politicians, or with whom? We had them all in there. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I was the national coordinator for the United Front here in St. Louis, Reverend Charles Cohen, who's one of the founders of the Black Liberators here mm-hmm. from, from Cairo. So we had the United Front down there, and we was an activist type of organization, so we was invited to come in and uh, to be there with the inmates uh, to see exactly what we could do because we had so much action during that time. You had the peace movement. You had the anti-war movement, the civil rights movement. We had a lot of activism, like I begin to see take place here now after the Ferguson effect. Yeah, and Regina, what what what, uh, what happened in those negotiations? Obviously, they were not successful. Well, I wouldn't say they were totally not successful because there were some wins and there were some gains, mm-hmm. and um, the. Uh, uh, during the, uh, the list of demands were quite long. There were sure. there were twelve of them, and so we won some, and then some were put on hold, and eventually they uh, they came about. And I think the point that uh, uh, what we want to emphasize is that the city eventually issued a progress report, and that progress report indicated the types of things that they what they could do and what they could not do, and it was clear that they had made some real clear, some clear gains, such as they had allocated uh, $5,000 to improve food conditions, and they established an initial stock of some 650 small toothpaste tubes. Uh, policy manuals were set up. Visiting regulations were changed. Uh, round-the-clock medical care was now available. 
uh, some recreations activities, and uh, plans for an inmate council. So these are all gains and things in which people uh, in which we feel uh, they in, uh, were won. But, but didn't these gains come after the protests outside the 21-day protest? Oh yes, outside? they all took place after the protests. What yeah. I want to get to, Bob, maybe you can bring bring me up to speed on this. Something happened in those negotiations inside, which brought in St. Louis uh, City Police, oh. and a lot of a lot of heads were banged. I think Sister Regina should address that one on, on mm-hmm. it. Uh, yes, a lot of heads was banged, including my arm. Uh, I was hit so hard, my gla- I was hit so hard, my glasses went one way, my sandals went another one, and the only thing I could hear were the women and the dogs barking, the tear gas, and the inmates. Uh, and a bunch of them fell on top of me, which I think really helped save me. But Regina was much more in in the front line of what the negotiation that was going on on that. Before you start, Regina, let me just point out there were a lot more women in the workhouse at that or in the jail at that time than there were men. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, what actually what took place? We had really been meeting uh, for about three days, and the, the meetings were taking place quite well. And uh, Mr. John Bass, he said that as long as there was nonviolence, that the negotiations should, could continue. But what took place was on the at the city hall level, there was some concern about the inmates being in the jail. And then at the city jail level, um, at the warden level, he was concerned as well, too. And so as we were in the jail, what took place that kind of halted the negotiations was that one of the inmates decided to hit the warden. And the warden was already exaggerated and already excited. Uh, 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 already upset, wanting this whole situation to end, so he called in the police. Mm-hmm. And it, it was uh, it was an extremely violent. Bobby's point. It was extremely it, violent, it, it, and that it led to they brought in some thirty uh, riot policemen with clubs and twenty five some dogs, and uh, and they beat us severely. And so Sister Betty 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 uh, Lee, who was here the Proud Magazine at the time, was in there with us, and. Uh, mm-hmm. We also had Pearly Evans, who was one of the top administrator assistants to uh, later Congressman on Clay. to Congressman Clay Sr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee was bitten on the leg and the calf by uh, one of the German Shepherd dogs. Tori Russell, let, let, let me turn to you. Uh, you're much too young to remember any of this or have been around for, it, for any right. of this. What are you thinking when you hear this story about what it was like then and what it's like now? St. Louis still haven't, hasn't changed. Um, it seems like it may still be 1972. Um, and someone uh, who just left uh, the Justice Center last night, who I go to the workhouse uh, at least once a month, um, the conditions are still the same. So we went in the summer um, when the protest started again. It seemed like it's reliving history. Um, we were sweating, uh, me and uh, John Collins Muhammad, uh, Alderman, you know, in the North City. Um, we did a walkthrough, uh, sweating, sweat through the suits, sweat through our dress shirts. You were sweating um, last night? No, not last no, night, no, in the, the summer. summer. yeah. Um, or uh, you go in the winter, it's cold. Yeah. And so it's it's the same conditions. Uh, the inmates are uh, complaining about food, a quality of food, hygiene products, uh, mice, roaches, rats. Um, and really the big issue is why they're in there, which is be bail. Um, people can't afford five hundred thousand dollars, and I don't think that's a reason for someone to sit down there for months or years. You're basically saying things haven't changed. 
St. Louis, uh, I, you know, I, we always say that uh, Ferguson is just like Selma. It's 1955 uh, with Wi-Fi. That's the only difference. Uh, with Wi-Fi. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brother Bob, what's your, what's your reaction to that? Hearing this young man say that, you know, 46 years after your activity, um, things haven't changed very much. In part, what we have had in the civil rights movement, uh, the old civil rights movement under uh, Dr. King and some other people, we have not, they did not do a real good job of laying the framework once he was assassinated, who was going to be able to carry on. And when, when, uh, I think a lot of injustice had been done by the time I'd be 76 this year. Mm. Uh, been sentenced to five and five years as a political prisoner, and then to come back out with these young people, we see them. What did we leave them that they have to build upon? So basically, they were sort of naked in Ferguson, raw and uncut. They came off the plantation. They ain't scared and they ain't going back. And so what I'm saying is that we have to now do a better job because I think we need a new civil rights movement, and these young people are going to have to be... We'll share our experience with those who want to. Regina, your thoughts about... uh what the young man has just said here and how things have have or have not changed over the years. You know, um, I've lived, been away for a while, uh, for over 30, 40 years. Uh, and so I, when I hear these types of remarks, I feel saddened, very, very saddened, because I, w- I would think that what we did, there were some changes that took place, but that was then. But it looked like the structures and systems that we put in place, there was a breakdown. And it looks as if that uh, when they moved to this justice center, the things even before then, because I was able to talk with uh, Mr. Frank Sussman, uh, who was involved in the jails from 1982 to 2000. And he tells me by the time that he got there, some of the things that we put in place uh, had broken down. So it seems like unless there's a constant monitoring evaluation from the community, there's, there's an advisory committees and advisory boards that are set up, then there's going to be a breakdown. Frank Sussman was an attorney, as I recall. Yes, he was, he was an attorney. I think yes. ultimately he wound up as an ambassador to the Court of St. James, if I'm not mistaken, it, uh, uh, if I'm, I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. In any case. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess what I'm interested in seeing here is how tactics and strategy – have changed, or have they? Do you think that the the, the strategy, uh, Tori, that you're using today is really any different than that was used uh, 45 years ago? I don't. Uh, people still do sit-ins, march, protest. Uh, people come to um, protest probably, uh, you know, having a more historical analysis. Uh, I've seen tear gas. I've seen movies where they threw tear gas in Selma. Um, so I'm going to come prepare. I'm going to come uh, with tear gas, uh, mask, and all these things. I think those are probably different. Um, I, we do less singing, probably more rapping. <laughs> Soundtrack has changed, um, but the demands and how the police and the state meets us is probably more the same. Regina? I, I think that, yes, uh, this, some of the methods may still be the same. Uh, you still have the protesters, but I'm not sure whether or not we still have the negotiators. As we were outside protesting, there was always, uh, as I always like to say, a multi-talented group of people who were on the inside. They would come outside and protest, but they also were able to go to the boardrooms and the tables and sit and negotiate and articulate the demands. 
and eventually get them narrowed down. So there was that communication that took place. And also we organized those press conferences, handed out press releases, and we uh, very well articulated them. So I'm not quite sure whether or not those strategies and approaches, which I personally feel were beneficial and were effective, uh, uh, whether or not they're being used uh, today. Mm. I mean, I, I, I would say yes and no. And so um, early on in Ferguson, um, there were conversations with the White House. And so they would call us, call other protesters. I think the difference is, is that uh, as we watch the 60s and 70s, I think the breakdown is the negotiator um, tends not to advocate for the entire community. And so people who used to protest with us joined the Ferguson Commission never to return back to the black community. Some of us went into the White House, had a conversation with Obama, never to return back to the black community. And so they negotiated something not for the entire community. Um, and so we were like our negotiations in the streets. We were, Our first demand um, out of Ferguson was to ask uh, Barack Obama to come to Ferguson to actually see, bring his daughters, bring people who can see and understand, and maybe, just maybe, um, you'll actually bring change, not for one person, not for a group or organization, but for the mm-hmm. community as a whole. I have to take a break. We'll do that okay. now and continue the conversation. Uh, we are talking about uh, demonstrations and protests and how they have or have not changed over the decades, actually. We're focusing on a 1972 uh, situation in the city jail in St. Louis, which uh, turned uh, to be a very violent uh, end to a protest. Back in just a moment, my guests are Bobby Williams and Regina dennis Nana, citizen negotiators in that 1972 incident. And Tori Russell was with us. He's a community activist and protester, much younger than the other two guests. I mean. <laughs> he's, he's giving us today's perspective. <laughs> we'll, we'll get back into this conversation in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. And welcome back to our conversation on how protests have changed over the years at St. Louis City Jail and related institutions. Regina, let me come back to you. Um, If you felt that 1972 was successful and that many of the demands that were made by the uh, inmates of the city jail were met, um, how can you call it successful if similar conditions exist today? Well, I think there's been a breakdown. There's definitely been a breakdown for the lack of continuity. Uh, uh, I think that it, the uh, s- the policies that were set in place somewhere along the line, they may have uh, they're not being adhered to, or they're not being followed, or or uh, maybe people don't know about them, or they've changed. Uh, but I I think that we had. And let me say that I think we made some gains. There were other gains that we, we may not have made, but I think for the most part, for the basic things. Uh, that we were able to achieve, though. In terms of tactics and and strategy, and Brother Bob, let me go to you on this. I've mentioned this many times on the programs. We had an interesting conversation a few years ago with Percy Green, whom you all know, and with Frankie Freeman, the late Frankie Freeman. And they had a really interesting discussion on the rule of law versus Mm -hmm. civil disobedience. You can guess who took which side. Frankie Freeman, (laughs) of course, the rule of law, Mm -hmm. and Percy Green, we know his background, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 civil disobedience was his mm-hmm. stock and trade. 
Brother Bob, let me ask you about that. Which do you think is the more effective means of, uh, of making a point and getting uh, a positive result? I think we need both. I think we need both. I think uh, Brother Tori Russell had touched upon it. If you have the negotiators that go and do not come back to the community, we do not have a consistent black or white leadership here to keep the community informed. So if you have someone like a Percy Green, who was really one of the best in civil disobedience, that we're now going to need as part of the solution to have those young people like Tori and them who want to be trained in that. Uh, one thing on the solution, we have the our city defenders that we did not have there. We have community policing organizations set up now. We have the ACLU who has always, you know, been around. So now I'm thinking that with the new civil and human rights movement, I think that we need for justice right now. we got to have equality with justice, that these young people will have some continuity. So we want to set up at a, a building now. We have at a 3103-11 North Grand. Now this is just uh, south of Natural Bridge. They can have their own facilities. They can have continuity and to network with each other. Tori, do you have do you have uh, faith and confidence in these groups? We had Blake Strode, the uh, new head of, of of our city defenders, on yesterday. A very committed young man. I've, I've heard about him. I've, I've, I've never talked to him. Never mm-hmm. seen him. Um, but I, I think I think it's all about kind of like what we're getting to, which is um, building uh, the continuity, um, but also capacity in the black community. And so we know. Um, the federal government came in, brought drugs, and locked up um, community leaders in the 60s and the 70s. Um, that's not happenstance. That was targeted uh, from Nixon on. And so we have to look at these policies, but also look at inside to our community. And it's like, why don't we have uh, these organizations, these united fronts, continuing from the 60s and 70s? Uh, why? Uh, why isn't why aren't the young activists sitting down with Percy Greens and Jamal and Rogers under Norman Says? Um, why wasn't it a torch passed or a blueprint passed on? I think that is the criticism um, that the youth in the street have of our elders, and not directly to be Percy Green. Um, but our elders have to have that had to have that blueprint. Um, but now uh, the younger people uh, are trying to create their own blueprint. Um, and it come through tear gas soaking streets. Regina and Bob, do you feel that you've done enough to communicate with the uh, next generation? In, in fact, that's where I'm very passionate about sharing this information. I had a file in my house. Of, of, uh, it had the album with this, this materials in it. Mm-hmm. And I said that I got to get this out so young people can have it. Mm-hmm. Or I don't want to die and leave it stuck in the closet then my family or somebody come and throw it into a dumpster. And where I think that some of these materials that even we're going to have handouts this evening that we're going to pass out our demands, how we held our press conferences and we gave uh, the press conference with the uh, press releases on it and with the United Front and the Committee for Equal Justice and then how the city responded. Mm -hmm. So we're going to give all that out. Hopefully the young people can take it and say, okay. Maybe we can do some. We can do some of this. You don't have to do it all, but at least you have access to it. So that's the whole one of the purposes for this evening is to be able to disseminate and share this information so our young people know how uh, how to do some of the things that we didn't do, uh, and I don't see them doing now. And that would be a panel discussion <laughs> that we would have around this this evening, and then I can be reached at three one four. Three nine eight five four seven eight three nine eight five four seven eight. Now we need the people to come on board. We need to quit complaining. Young people saying, "Hey, we are willing. Some of them are willing to meet with us, old activists, to share our experiences with them." The buildings at thirty 
103311 North Grand. So let's make it happen so that we can end with the protest, demonstration, get down to serious business with the whole world looking at us, organizing economic plans and things that these young people want. The panel discussion I alluded to in the introduction that you just mentioned is happening at the Missouri History Museum tonight at 7 o'clock. The title of it is Justice in the Prison System from the 1972 Sit-In to Today. 7 can o'clock I, tonight I, at the I, History Museum. Can I mention the other panelists, too? Sure. Uh, the other panelists will, that will, will include the uh, lawyer from the Art City Defender, Nicole Nelson, and then we're going to have a, another activist who will come, uh, Daisha Polk. She'll be on the panel as well. And then we're going to have a former inmate, uh, Deidre uh, Worth, Worthow, Wortham. And so we have those three people. So that's going to be a nice mixture of what took place historically and what's going on today. Dietrich is a grandmother. Uh-huh. When she was arrested uh-huh. out there on a traffic violation. So she'll be there tonight. I think she's about 46 years old. And it's uh-huh. going to be interesting. That's a, yes. that's a story that we've heard more than once. Yes, I'm going to bring in a, a listener right now because okay. I think uh, Harlan in St. Louis is going to make a point that uh, is apropos at this moment. Go ahead, Harlan. Thank you so much. It's good to be on the line. Enjoy the show uh, and appreciate the guests that are on today. Um, It seems like there's a really distinct difference between uh, the protesters of today and the the protesters of 50, 40, 30 years ago. And I'm wondering if if there could be a little bit more discussion about the foundational difference, which is really a foundational belief system that doesn't seem to be shared among today's protesters as they were before. In the 60s, there was a, you could really clearly see that there was a commitment to faith and hope and a shared sense of spirituality uh, among protesters. And it was undeniable that uh, it was sort of anchored in sort of uh, a, a Judeo-Christian belief set. But in addition to that, there was a strong commitment to our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, and a, a general belief and understanding of what America's ideals are. I don't seem to hear that in today's pro- uh, protest as much or even at all, and I'm hoping that your your guests can address that. Harlan, thank you. Let's put that one to Tori. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the layup. Uh, on the I, I think uh, the problem is, is that um, if you start with the Constitution, um, I was property. And so that Constitution was never meant for me. That Bill of Rights wasn't meant for me. And so we have to think about human rights outside of civil rights. So if you have a civil rights movement, you have to play ball only inside the United States of America. And so what we want to do is look at the global aspect, look at the U.N., which we did out of Ferguson. We actually went to the U.N. with Mike Brown's parents. And we want to bring those things to an international level. If you have to leave it in this hands, we live in a democratic city, one, only one of two in the state. The rest of the state is completely Republican. We have a Republican um, <laughs> president uh, who thinks I come from a, my ancestors come from a bad country. And so we have to understand that um, in America, be it a Democrat, Jay Nixon, or a Republican in Greitens, they don't love black people. And so we can't keep going with the rule of law um, because it used to be legal to have slaves. Um, it used to be legal to pull me over and have stop and frisk, and this is recent. And so we have to get out of the American legality and get to the international stage. Our, our time is winding down. Let me ask you, Regina and, and Bob, uh, what advice do you have for this young man about proceeding forward? How to? Mm. I, I would say that we certainly need to get uh, to stay focused. 
um, to uh, 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 continue the protesting. I will never say stop protesting. Mm-hmm. I will say continue the protesting. But at the same time, I would say uh, uh, look, let people know why you're protesting. That's the area what I don't think that uh, we elders, we understand. We, you can galvanize and come p- get people together on Facebook and get to the street, but then we're not quite sure why you're there and what do you want. You've got to find ways to articulate your demands as well as you got to find ways to be able to get your core people, get it to the table, and, and be able to negotiate. I've been able to pull together with a group of people. I'm the point man on the sort of like the chief architect to develop this new civil and human rights movement that we need to have with equality, but we have to have justice. And we say to the young people, come on board. Let's organize from where you all see things. We can share our experience and resources, and let's do it. We do have the facility at 3103 uh, to 11 North Grand, just uh, south of uh, Natural Bridge. I can be reached at 314-398-5478. Thank you. We'll put all that information on our website, Bob. Final, final question is going to go to, to Tori here. What advice do you have for these two with regard to interacting and working with young people, your peers? I would, I would say uh, my only criticism um, for elders uh, um, is really uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's an East African kind of um, thought. It's uh, how are the children? And so in East Africa, they greet the other tribes with how are the children. And if you respond, you know, they're taken care of. That means that you're taking care of your future. And so um, if we're not doing the best strategies and tactics, if our word's not getting out there, um, if you think we're not at the table, um, that means that, one, um, someone's at the seat that we're supposed to be in, um, where our elders and our, our leaders that were supposed to be before us are not connecting us to the right tables and the right people. And so uh, we need the resources. Um, we need the wisdom and the knowledge. Um, and we need hugs and, and love from our elders. And so that's, that'll be as queen, I have another title. As I have another title too, yeah. uh, and that title I was enthroned as a queen mother, a queen mother. So a queen mm-hmm. mother in Africa means one who takes care of children and takes care of the community. So Queen Mother Regina is here to provide advice and care and love and to share your knowledge, my knowledge that I have gained over some forty years uh, or more, some sixty years. <laughs> I mean, uh, to share that uh, with our young people in the community. Well, I'm sure that that's welcome news to yeah, uh, Tori and to others. We've got to end it right there. I want to thank you all so much for being with us. This has been a very interesting discussion, and I appreciate uh, Bobby Williams and Regina Dennis and Anna for being with us. They were negotiators in the 1972 city jail disturbance that we started talking about today. Tori Russell also with us. Thank you, sir, for being with us. Community activist and a man obviously very much committed to his cause. A reminder of the panel discussion, Justice in the Prison System from 1972 sit-in to today at the Missouri History Museum tonight at 7 o'clock. They'll be participating in that. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.